0: Hello, welcome to Motherhood Out Loud, a safe place for mothers to talk openly about their experiences without fear of judgment or shame.
1: Our hope is for women to realize that we're not alone in the variety of emotions we feel and that we're able to provide a more loving community for future moms. Let's Let's take take our our power power back back and and live Motherhood motherhood out loud. With Carla and Cindy.
0: Hello, welcome back to Motherhood Out Loud. So, today, Carla's going to talk to us. It's kind of her part two. So, she did do a live with us. It's on our Instagram or my Instagram at birth about her birth story. So, you could go there to listen to her whole f- full birth story. But today, she's going to talk more about her postpartum experience and what she went through in terms of postpartum anxiety and depression. So yeah, I'm really excited to to hear her story and I'm so happy that she's willing to be so vulnerable with us today.
1: Hi everyone. So yes, today we're going to be a little realistic and I'm going to be very honest about what it felt like, but just a quick recap for whoever hasn't heard about my birth story. Honestly, I can say my experience was really, really good. Like it was a easy delivery. It was fast. It was really, really fast. I think I was only in labor like From the first contraction, which I didn't know I was in labor, to the moment my daughter was burned was maybe like seven hours. And even then, like nothing really hurt. So like my experience was good. You know, we had some hiccups on the way to the hospital, but overall, honestly, like I can't complain. It was very close to what I wanted. My doula was very supportive. The medical team was amazing. Um, My husband was very involved in the birth. So Overall, it was a really good experience, right? And sometimes we hear like the horror stories that come uh, from birth and everything like that. So mine wasn't like that, right? So I prepared so much. And I tell that so many people, I focused through like most of my pregnancy on preparing for the birth that I wanted and making sure that I had a birth plan and, you know, and then that's it. Like if just getting to the finish line, delivering that, that's it. I was a magically a mom. <laughs> And I was like going to Yeah, like that's it. This is what I worked so hard for. And then now, like when people ask me for advice, I'm like, for sure, prepare for your birth. But there's a lot more going on afterwards.
0: Right. And
1: so, uh, so yeah, like being that my birth was really like a positive experience and, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of complaints, I was not prepared at all for the shut storm. I was going to get into as far as like my emotions, my feelings, my anxiety, like I was zero preparation. And I'm not like that. If you know me in person, you know, I'm someone that plans and prepares and has resources. No, I went eyes blind into it. I was like, it's going to be beautiful, roses, butterflies. (laughs) (laughs) And so we, we got discharged from the hospital really fast. To be honest with you, we, We deliver at 3 a.m. We spend the first full day by the following morning. um, My doctor has seen me. The pediatrician has seen us. Um, We were ready to go. We were just waiting. I forgot what exactly we were waiting for, but like around 2 o'clock, so like 36 hours later, 35 hours later, we were Mm -hmm. discharged from the hospital. Obviously, we hadn't slept um, because, you know, the hospital just wakes you up. So we came home and I want to say, starting from that moment, like I was a hot mess. Mm. Lack of sleep, obviously. <laughs> that was, I think that's what gets you yeah. at first. You have this tiny little human that you're supposed to put in a car seat and drive home. So that's why I'm so envious about your birth, Cindy. Like you were at home mm. already. You were able to just kind of rest. <laughs> but nowhere having, to go. yeah, nowhere to go. But like I was like, wait, I'm supposed to buckle this baby in? And like nobody checks, the nurse was just like, "Yeah, that looks okay." <laughs> and so I'm is like, "That
0: where you started to feel
1: anxious, like buckling her in?" You were already like, "Like, you know, like now, thinking back, yes, yeah, because she was so tiny." I don't, I mean, mm-hmm. I was that friend that like never went to see my friends when they first have their babies. So I saw their babies mm-hmm. when they were like two months old. So I didn't realize how tiny newborns are. <laughs> and so she was tiny and I'm like you seriously expect me to take this tiny person home (laughs) like she's so fragile which now I know like she's not like she's very resilient but you know at that point you're just like okay and so I you know thinking back like I should have known at that point it was like it's like when the commentary in the movies (laughs) she was not okay (laughs) (laughs) that's what should have happened and so oh my gosh Anyway, so it was just kind of like there, uh, you know, we got home, I had, um, I had one of my biggest thing was breastfeeding. That was like something I really, really wanted to do. And not so much because like, oh, like bread is best or fed is best or formula. I know it's just like something like an experience I wanted for myself really, really bad. It was something I had been looking forward to for my whole pregnancy was to breastfeed my baby. So I. I had some struggles at the beginning. It wasn't that bad. Um, My doula Leti, so we had her in a few episodes ago. um, She was very helpful. Like she would uh, FaceTime with me. She would give me tips on how to feed Cassie. And so like it started with the breastfeeding, but I remember the first day she was crying a lot and she was hungry. We were both kind of like not knowing what was going on. And everybody in my home was like, well, just give her some formula. Just give her some formula. And me being stubborn, I was like, no, I want to breastfeed. Like, let me at least try to figure out how to do it. If I can't feed her, that's fine. Like, we'll give her some formula. But I remember, like, hearing that pressure a lot at the beginning. And so her crying and, like, me wanting to fix it, like, immediately. And I couldn't. And so I remember, like, the first week, it was very anxious because, you know, you had to wake up every two hours to feed this baby, Um. I will have like alarms on my phone, like on my watch. I remember that. Like I'll have like an alarm on my watch to go off on my Apple watch every two hours to wake up and feed her. Cause like, I really want breastfeeding to work. It hurts. I mean, let's be realistic. Like breastfeeding hurts in the beginning. And so it was just like very emotional, but physically I was fine. Like I remember like the second day. Um, I think I've told in another story how like I didn't have a breastfeeding or like a rocking chair in my room and I was breastfeeding yeah. in my <laughs> office chair. Um, we also didn't have the swing set up. Like we were totally, we still had three weeks when baby came. So we were like, oh, we still have three weeks to set everything up. Right. And so the first week with her, we were like, setting up the chair, setting up the swing, setting up everything we should have had ready. <laughs> and I remember I was on the floor, like, putting the swing together, like physically, I was fine. Like I could move. Um, mm-hmm. I know I heard I've heard from like, at least like some women that I got in the epidural, like they have a little bit of ache, like with the epidural side, so they can not bend over very well. I didn't have none of that. Like I was freaking on the floor, like, give me the screwdriver, let me put this together, blah, blah, blah. Right. And so I think everybody around me saw me physically fine. But emotionally, I wasn't like, and I started seeing that, like the lack of sleep, the kind of like shit, like I'm responsible for this tiny human. And so Cassie was born July 23rd. And then Mm -hmm. like just a few days later on August 3rd, we had the El Paso shooting. And we had gone, and I think everybody has, everybody that's from El Paso has a story of like where they were that day or the day before, or they had been near the Walmart, near the Silo Vista mall. And we had been to Silo Vista the day before. We had gone to pick up mm-hmm. um, some items that my husband had ordered. And I remember being that day at Silo Vista, we were, I think, at JCPenney for like an hour, And I couldn't wait to get home. Like, I was so anxious. Like, I was like, the baby's going to start crying. The baby, like, I was just like, I didn't want to be out and about with her because like, she's going to start crying and like, I'm going to freak out. And so I remember like, we, we went, we went in and out, left, came home. Then the shooting happened the next day and everybody's texting me. Oh my God, where are you? Are you okay? Is the baby okay? Is Ivan okay? And I'm like, what's going on? So then we hear Mm. about the shooting. And, you know, at first, like I was, I was really sad, obviously, like, right? you don't move to El Paso, you don't move back to El Paso to expect the shooting in your hometown, right? Like we moved here to raise a happy, healthy family where nothing happens, where people complain it's boring. Mm-hmm. Like that's the life we wanted, right? For our children. And mm-hmm. I remember that shooting and that everybody, everybody kept talking about it. So we have family over. My dad and my brother came to visit. And my in-laws were at the house you know how it is the first couple of weeks after you give birth, like everybody wants to be with you, but nobody's really helping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody just yeah. wants to be at your house. And everybody just wanted to talk about the shooting. And I just remember feeling so anxious because I was like, and then your mind starts kind of like spinning, like, oh my God, what would I have I done if I had been there? Oh my God, like, what if this? And then like, oh my God, my baby is a llorona. Like she cries for everything. She screams for everything. Mm-hmm. Like why did we have to hide? And she's screaming and crying and I'm there. And like, so it was just like this like snowball effect of me thinking like the worst could happen. And I'm already like a person that worries a lot. Like, you know, like if I'm like at a crossroads or I'm like thinking about something, I think like 20 horrible scenarios that could happen and how I will fix each one. And that's just Mm -hmm. the way that sometimes I overthink. And so like throw in, postpartum throwing like a slip throwing hormones throwing like you're responsible for this human and it was just like I could tell I was just kind of like like they tell you like the ball of yarn right and you like pull a thread and it just quickly dissolves like that's kind of how I felt on the inside and I couldn't I felt now I know I could have talked to people but I felt I couldn't I felt I couldn't tell people Mm -hmm. things and you know I would tell my husband and my family to like I don't want to hear it. I don't want to talk about the shooting. I don't want to talk about anything. But that's what everybody want to talk about. That's what everybody was on the news listening to. Um you know, we we're a family mm-hmm. that we believe in you know gun education, gun safety. We're not pro or anti guns or anything like that, but you know we think that some things like that happen and we have to be aware of it. And we have to be prepared. So there was a lot of talk in the house about stuff like that. And all I could feel was like, oh, my God, like, what would have I done had I been at Walmart? Would I have been at Walmart with Cassie by myself? Hell no, I wouldn't have because I couldn't even go outside alone. But like, you know, it kind of started with like things like that and people just talking about it. And so, you know, it just kind of like started giving me a lot of anxiety about that. Um, And then you know people talk about the baby blues and how you feel sad. And me, I'm a very social person. I've always worked. Um, I think I've been working, and did not as young as some people, but I think I started working like at 17, and I've never stopped. Right? Like I often had two jobs. So I was very social. I'm like, I'm always what is that? A pleasure to have in class. A pleasure to work with. Like I'm talkative. And then one day, I don't know where. I'm just secluded at home. right? right? My my dad and my brother leave, which honestly, I don't think I would have gotten through the first week without my brother. Like he was so helpful. Like he couldn't feed or change a diaper, but that man got me the food I needed. He like catered to my feed. Him and my husband like were like, You need water, you need this, let me help you. I mean, he was sleeping like a rock, so he wouldn't help me at night. But when he <laughs> but was awake, but during oh the day gosh. he was on it yeah brother danny was on it he was super super helpful like he would like help me come up and down the stairs he oh my god he was amazing but then like he left right he had to go back to his life and my so did my dad and like basically you have all this like inflow of like love and support and everybody wants to be with you and then boom everybody's gone like okay Mm -hmm. bye See, see you when i see you Mm-hmm. So then I was alone and then I was truly like alone at home. Like my husband only had two weeks off of work, which it's a blink of an eye. Those first two weeks is like, what do you mean I'm going to work? And yeah, that's crazy. And then, so then I was left alone with my thoughts and with my anxiety all on. And so at that point I remember like, I would talk to you. I have friends that would check on me. I'm not saying like I was completely like abandoned out in the streets. But it was not the social interactions I had before. And I think a lot of moms struggle with that. And they remember that, right? How they felt alone. But then you leave someone that's very naturally anxious and an overthinker with a tiny human that needs everything. And I was just like, oh my God, like, you know, like all these thoughts kept on going. I couldn't watch TV because everything on social media and everything TV was about the shooting and everything was developing. So those first like six weeks, it was just a lot. And I remember, and I laugh now because like now I'll go with Cassie to the park, to the store, anywhere for a whole day by myself with her. And we're fine. But like back then you tell me, let's go to Target by ourselves. And I was like, oh my God, like I can't do this. I can't. What do you mean? I need to get this baby <laughs> ready and get the diaper bag and get myself out. Like I was like, I, no, it was like too overwhelming. Like things yeah, that it's I too do. too overwhelming. Yeah, like things that you do now every day, it's like I can't, like I literally physically couldn't do them, and like I'm like that's not me, and so I had a lot of that, and it just kind of like didn't diminish. Like even though I felt more confident as a mom, you know, like once we got the breastfeeding down, once I knew like her routine, it didn't get better. It didn't like it wasn't like the first mom jitters. Like it just I just was anxious. and it, it kind of like um, made me very um, prone to anger, not towards Cassie, but to my husband and everybody around me, like my mother-in-law, my sister-in-law, my family, like my dad, like over the phone, like it just made me really angry. Like, why aren't you guys worried the way I am? Why are you guys living like, and is it, this reality, right? Like when you have your baby, they kind of become the center of your universe, but they're not everybody else's, but in my <laughs> irrational mind, I'm like, why isn't my daughter, like, your top priority right now? Um, and, you know, it was like one of those things where I kind of knew, like, the rational part of me very quietly, very in the back of my mind was like, you're being a little rational right now. Mm-hmm. But the stronger, rational, Carla was like, shut up, go to the back, <laughs> like, hide right. in the back, <laughs> like, you can't do this. And so I remember, like, um, just being like that. And so people talk about like postpartum depression, like you're sad. And I was never sad. I was never, um, you know, I never had thoughts about hurting myself or hurting my daughter. and or that my daughter would be better without me. Cause I, I had a friend tell me recently, like, it's like I never thought about hurting myself or my children. I just would be like, I think my husband and my children will be fine without me. If I just leave, like not hurt myself, just leave, be gone. And I'm like, no, I was the opposite. I was like, no, my kid needs me. And my kid needs me. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm freaking out. And so I remember a lot of that in the beginning. Um, And then it would lead me to anger of like, why I didn't have control of everything else. Like I do now, right? Like I'm kind of a control freak. And so I never saw the help I needed. Like people tell you like, oh, and then here's the, rainbows and beautiful story where and then I found an amazing therapist. No, I didn't. <laughs> I like spoiler alert. I didn't. And I tell people now when they talk to me about it and I'm like, try to find someone before you need them, just in case. Just so that you know that there's someone to rely on or be open about it with people that you trust. So maybe they can help you find someone. Because I'm being honest, like you are in the midst and the thick of it. And the last thing I wanted was to look up someone to speak to. The last I wanted was another appointment. And this was pre-COVID. So like, you know, like telemedicine wasn't such a big hit like it is now. Like now you can probably call any doctor or therapist and they will have some sort of like online appointment that you can talk on the phone or video chat. This was in 2019, Right. right before COVID. Where more than likely you had to go in for an in-person consultation. And like in my head, I might, I have to get myself ready and I have to get the baby ready. And then I have to take the baby to be, be watched somewhere. And then I have to drive to the appointment and then I have to sit in the appointment and then I have to go get the baby. And then I have to come. Like, it was just like this amount of steps that I was like, it's more than three things. I can't, I can't do it. I can't physically get myself to do it. And so what did I do? I did nothing. I just suffered in silence. I was just like, oh, well. You know, and um, my husband tried to help. But, um, you know, like I tell people that when you tell people that you love, that you're hurting, it hurts them as well. So they may not be as objective. They want to help you and have your best interests at heart. But sometimes they're not as objective in helping you. Or like, you know, because they're hurting for you, too. They're worried about you. And so he would try to help me, but I don't think we could have done anything because I don't, we've never been in this. We're both new, new parents. Like we both were kind of like sleep deprived. And so I couldn't talk to anyone. about. I felt I couldn't talk to anyone.
0: Why do you think you felt that?
1: I think because a lot of times um, I'm the person that people come to seek for help. I'm the, Carla always knows what to do. Carla always has a plan. And now mm-hmm. I needed that help, and I felt like, "Who am I if I don't know what to do?" Like well, that's such a big part of my identity, right? Like I'm always a person that has a plan. I'm the accountant. I'm this. I'm that. And when I lost that, I'm like, "Who am I? Who am I? How am I going to tell people that I'm feeling like this?" Even though mm-hmm. I had friends, and maybe back then I didn't have as many mom friends that had gone through it, so I couldn't relate to people that. You know, like I felt like a lot of my friends didn't have children, so they didn't know what I was going through. Um, My cousins, um, their children had, you know, they were grown, like, you know, they were like four or five years old. Like they kind of had forgotten about what it's like on the beginning of the early stages. And so I felt like that a lot, like not being able to talk to people about it. But I don't think it was because people wouldn't listen is that I never gave them the chance. I never reach out. I think with you, I like, I was pretty honest, but I didn't want to like unload everything on like that one friend. Right. Like, I didn't want to just be like, Cindy, like this is the chaotic fix me. Right. Because like, it is an emotional time for everybody. And so I often felt like that. Like I was like, I can't speak to people or when I would talk to someone, like not in depth of how it was feeling, but I felt like opening up and this was insecurity. And this is more on me than in anyone else is that whenever I saw mom that had it together and I didn't, I felt bad about myself. I was like, well, why don't I have it together? Like, look at her. She's doing it so easily. But like, now we talk about it and it's like, maybe she has a shitstorm going on. She's struggling with something else, but she's really good about the newborn stage. So she's not overwhelmed. Right. Right. But I didn't see that. I see that now, but I didn't see that back then. And so whenever, um, and I think I've talked about this, like in another story, but there was one time we went to a, when Cassie was, I don't know, like eight weeks, maybe, or six weeks. I don't know. She was a little bit older, but I was still on maternity leave. So I was more comfortable going out and doing things with her. And like, by doing things, I mean, like me and I were together with a group of people that were going to help us. <laughs> <laughs> we, were never, we weren't alone with the baby um we went to a party there it was like a baby shower or a kid's party I can't remember what we were there with a bunch of people that knew us and knew this other friend that just had a baby as well or was about to have a baby and no she just had a baby and a mutual friend told me gosh Carla you look so tired and I know he didn't mean it in a bad way. I think he was just concerned. I was like, Carla, you look tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you're not like this. Like, he knew what a badass bitch I was at work. And he was just like, whoa, whoa what's, what's happening? <laughs> and, you know, he's a guy, single, never had kids. So he was just like, wow, you look tired. <laughs> and I was like, thanks. <laughs> I'm like, I am tired, duh. You know, like, that. my sarcastic attitude was like, well, I am tired. I'm a new mom. And, you know, I I know he didn't mean it. And at that point, it didn't sting that much. It was just kind of like, okay, whatever. And -hmm. then we started talking about this other mutual friend that we have that had just had a baby. And he had just seen her. And then I asked him, how is she doing? Oh, she's doing phenomenal. She's doing great. You wouldn't even tell she had a baby. (laughs) And I was just. Yeah, like he stuck the knife earlier. And then he kind of like twisted it around, dug it in a little (laughs) bit. (laughs) And I know, poor guy, he never meant, he, I know he didn't mean anything bad by it, but I was crushed after that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't, I'm like a shit show. I'm like a walking shit <laughs> storm.
0: <laughs> He's like, and, oh, Carla is not doing well. <laughs> I'm like,
1: Someone needs to send help. <laughs> yeah, basically, right? And so <laughs> I was just like, damn. okay, I need some some help with this um I I knew I needed help but of course I wasn't gonna do anything about it and so it was just like this emotions of like everything and then of course um I was trying to find a daycare as well at this time because our ideal daycare hadn't had an opening yet so I had been calling Mm -hmm. like every freaking week like oh my god I need childcare, I need childcare thankfully my sister-in-law um was like i'm not working i'm just i she i can't remember something happened with her classes that semester so that fall semester she wasn't going to be able to take any classes so she's like i'm technically not going to do anything till january and i was scheduled to go back to work in october she's mm-hmm. like i can watch the baby until you there's an opening in your daycare and so i was like oh my god yes thank you thank you so much like that makes me feel more at peace that she's going to be someone with someone that loves my baby that, you know, um, this girl had never taken care of a baby. She doesn't have a kid. So like, I was like, she was so ready to help. And I was like, (laughs) girl, like, I hope you know what you're doing. Yeah. Like I hope you know what you're doing. And (laughs) you know, I'll talk about her because she would like, um, like I still had this anxiety. So she didn't know how bad I was feeling uh but it was so funny because i remember i went back to work you're an emotional hot mess you're pumping you're hurting for your baby like uh, it was just chaos going back to work the first two weeks and she texts me i kid you not like the first week she's taking care of her hey i want to go to target is it okay if i go to target with cassie and i'm like you're gonna go to target with the baby she's like yeah i haven't said to ask you if it's okay because you know like I think at the end of this point my husband he was very anxious all the time, so he won mm-hmm. he was okay with her going to the store with the baby, but he wasn't sure if I was okay with it. And so I said, Yeah, if you feel comfortable going with her, she said, okay, bye. And then she sent me all these beautiful pictures. She's just shopping. She has her Starbucks in her hand. And I'm I just like where you
0: texted me about that. And you were like, How is she like <laughs> out with the baby? Like, and she's just out with the baby. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm
1: like, I guess because she's not the mom. She's just like, sure, let's go. Yeah. She just got the car, so he put it in the in the car in the shopping cart, and she was just out and about doing her thing. And I'm like, I could never. I, I could never do that. And she would go to Wingstop. Like she had another sister-in-law from her other side of the family. And at that point, she didn't have a baby either. So they'll go get their nails done. They'll go do this. And I'm like, my baby's living the time of her life right now with her auntie. And I can't take her to the park by myself because I freak out. <laughs> but you know, it tells me how irrational I was at that point. Um, and I'm just like, I I can't do this. But, you know, I started like when I was still at home, I was like seeking resources. I'm like, what can I do? And I remember like one time my husband was like, "Um, you just need to go out. You just need to leave the house. I see you're not OK. And I mm-hmm. and I tell people I get cabin fever. Like I I work from home, <laughs> but I never am home all five days out of the week. I am always out in about, like two to three days. I work out of a coffee shop. Relocate. I relocate. I take my laptop, and I'm like Dora the Explorer with my little backpack and my laptop, and I leave the house. And I'm like, let's go. <laughs> um, and I go work right. Like I go make friends. Like last time I was working out of a a beer coffee shop thing. It was amazing. I made friends with the owner and the bartender. Like that's me. That's literally true. I Carla. could
0: never. <laughs> I could never.
1: That's very me Carla. and the bartender, I was working and me and the bartender were sharing stories. She told me about her husband, her dogs, like where she's hoping to um her husband will eventually come back as he's a he, their military family. Then they will have to relocate We were talking like we were best friends. And I had just been drinking a beer doing my work at this uh a brewery, but that's me, right? That's the true me now. Two and a half years postpartum, I can tell you that's me. I was not right. that person the first couple of weeks or months with Cassie. I wasn't that person, and I knew I wasn't. And I missed that person, and I knew I wasn't gonna be who I was pre kids. Like none of us are gonna go back to that. Mm-hmm. But there's a sense of ourselves that we're still back there. We're still somewhere in there, like. We're just adding on to who we are. But back then, I missed it a lot. And I was, I kind of like wanted to get myself and slap myself in the face like, get it together, woman. Like, get back to who you were. Like, if it was so easy as in turning on a switch, like, oh, and the lights are on, the lights are off. Here, you're normal again. And so my husband was like, you need to leave the house. You need to do something. Like, I can see that you need the social interaction. You need to do something. And so um, there is a group and a lot of women, if you look it up, there's called Mothers of Preschoolers or MOPS, M-O-P-S for, sh- for short. And they're usually a group of mothers that are associated with the church. More often mm-hmm. than not, if not always associated with the church. I myself and my household, we not religious at all. We don't go to church on Sundays. That's, that's not our vibe. That's not our thing. But at that point is that, I didn't have any resources. And here is this magical group of mothers that are meeting after hours. Um, they will meet at 6 p.m. on a weekday, which gave me the they provide child care as well. If you need it um, right there. That's what usually is associated with the church because it's like at the nursery. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll provide child care for the babies. They'll bring food for the moms. And it kind of like just, you know, there's different workshops and development. At least my group did that. Where, you know, we had an activity. And so the I didn't want to take Cassie because she was so tiny. She was breastfeeding. She didn't want to take a bottle. So I'm like, why am I going to take her to nursery and have her scream for the boob the whole time? So, mm. you know, I would just leave her at home with dad because somehow, some way, dad was really good at feeding her a bottle. Um, of course, oh, wow. the typical, I had to be out of the house a million <laughs> hours away from them because otherwise she wouldn't. But he would be okay, right? He would get home from work, take her, and then I would leave to my moms' group um, the first time I went. And they were, you know, I wasn't associated with the church, so I didn't know any of the moms. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't know anybody and in old Carla's fashion. I showed up not knowing everybody and then started talking because that's, it kind of like, it was like refreshing. I was like, this is who I am. This is so easy for me. I can make friends right away. Because I, I genuinely, ask, Did you
0: fall back into it like right away or did, were you nervous or you were just like, nah, this is this is where I thrive. I think <laughs> this
1: is where I, this is my jam. I leave it all on yeah. the dance floor. <laughs> like, uh, I think because I didn't have Cassie with me and I knew she was in a safe space. It was mm-hmm. easy for me to take myself out of the house and go somewhere. Had I been with Cassie. Trying to mingle with moms at that mm. point, I don't think I would have been able to do it. I don't think I would have been able to focus right. as well. And so I went to the mom's group and I recommended to everybody. If there is one near you or if there's not like, look, look, cause you know, they're not always advertised, but they're very welcoming um, to mothers that are not part of the church. And maybe you do need a church community, right? Like maybe that's, that's some people's vibe. That's where people find their fellowship. That's where they find community. And Nicole is the host and, you know, we keep in touch from time to time because her daughters actually have the same birthday a year apart. Aww. And so Aww, so her daughter um is older than Cassie exactly by a year. And so she welcomed me into the group. She, you know, we talked. And I remember that day we did a mood board and that was the activity of the day. So like, you know, you watch a little video, what the theme of the meeting is to f- kind of like recenter yourself as a mom. And they don't always bring God into the equation, but it is kind of like religious based, right? And so they kind of tell you mm-hmm. like, this is kind of like who you were as a mom. These are the ideals that you want to have in your family. And they're never like imposing anything into you. They just kind of want you to think about what you want for yourself, for your family. And, and you know, kind of like those ideas. And so I remember we did a mood board that day. And we all had to introduce ourselves. And I told them, I'm like a brand new mom. Can't remember how old Cassie was, but she was, it's a blur those first 12 weeks, but she was under 12 mm-hmm. weeks. Uh, and I remember going and I told them. And I remember we were talking about being with strangers, right? Like telling them how my husband was like, I need to leave the house because I'm getting very anxious. I miss socializing. I miss this. And I didn't remember like breaking down, not like, Super like ugly crying, but I was just talking and like tears were streaming on my face. And the look of these women, like when they looked at me, like they knew. They automatically knew how I felt. Like I never felt so immediately accepted by someone until I was at that Mm -hmm. point. And it kind of like reminded me like shit, if I'm telling my story to strangers that I met like 20 minutes ago, why can I tell my friend? Why can I tell my family? Why can't I tell the people that know me, that care for me, right? So I remember that point, like I was telling them, and like, I remember my mood board was about traveling again, working, um, I think it was like eating healthy or something. It was like, I really want to focus that my family is healthy because I have a baby. Like I can eat chicken nuggets any day, but. You know, maybe we only eat them three times a week once the baby's here. You know, like maybe we we'll they start focusing or have more of the motivation to do better things, right? Like I can probably survive mm-hmm. on iced coffee and granola bars. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'll work uh, 60 hours a week and I'm maybe functioning, but maybe that's not ideal for milk production and my baby being <laughs> healthy. So maybe we can do a whole family overhaul, right? And so I was telling these women all this, like, not unloading, but, like, kind of freeing to talk to someone. And it was kind of like, shit, I'm telling this to people I don't know. And I can't call mm. my cousins. I can't call, I can call anyone. Like, why do I feel like that? And so, anyways, I kept going to that group. And, you know, they will bring food for us. And then there was always so much leftover food that we would get to. And that's why they did it like that. So that we could bring mm. food home. So that we could like mm. not have to worry about dinner that night.
0: Right. So
1: that you had lunch for the next day, and it's not so much like you didn't have the money, but sometimes you just don't fucking have the energy. Like right. that's just one less thing you need to do. It takes something so off of Nicole. Your plate. Yes, and so like Nicole and her mom will always make so much food, and it was covered by the church, and just kind of like here, everybody takes something to eat home, and you don't have to worry about dinner. So I know like my husband was always like, "What you bring home tonight?" <laughs> because he knew like and it was good stuff like we had chicken fajitas one day and like all the toppings were there the chicken was like grilled perfectly like, it was amazing and you know we would bring stuff home and we would talk and um nicole actually uh put in a really good word with uh Daker, one of my top Dakers that i wanted to get an opening for cassie like because her mm. daughter was going wow. there and so it was that kind of connection that i might why did I ever feel like that? Right? Like, and it was the things that I tell people, is like, you don't know what you don't know. And so I'm so glad I found that group. Um, You know, we kept going. It got harder once I went back to uh, work just because I was working really long hours and then we meet at six and I needed to pump or I needed to feed the baby. So it kind of like, I did kind of like fall back and kind of out of touch on going because of that. But, you know, they kind of do it in season. So it's not like every we used to meet on Wednesdays, So then like every month they do it. I think they do like five or six months at a time, or at least our group did. And then they take a little break, like two, three months and then they pick up again. Um, and so, and then there's a different theme or a different structure that we have every, but you know, I keep in touch with Nicole here and there because, you know, like I said, our daughters are so close in age. Um, we used to do like little play dates at the park and little things like that, especially when when If you're like a first-time mom and you're hearing this and you're like in the middle of what I'm going through and you're a very outgoing person, your baby doesn't do anything the first couple of weeks, right? Like they don't do anything. They're just in the car seat. They're just in the carrier, on the boob. They're not fun, but it doesn't mean that you as a mom can still go out and do things. You can still go to the park. Yeah, your baby's not sliding at three months on the slide or on the swing, but you yourself can go get yourself a coffee Go enjoy the sunlight. Go sit outside and see people. And if you don't want to talk to them, fine. If, if I happen to be around, I'm probably going to talk to you because that's just me. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, it's like those things that I felt like I was depriving myself because it's like, well, why am I going to go to the park if the baby can't do anything? Well, yeah, Cassie couldn't do shit, but I could. I could have been sitting outside. I could have been reading a book. Like, Cassie would have been fine as long as my boob was in her mouth. She would have been like, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> we could be in right. Mars and she would have been okay. Um, <laughs> And so I kind of started kind of like, uh, you know, wanting to do more of those things. Another resource that I use a lot at that point, And now I'm like, why didn't I use it more? It was the El Jardin, the breastfeeding garden here in El Paso. So it's like a It's a support group for uh, they have an amazing lactation consultant like this lady, Libby. She's so knowledgeable on breastfeeding and tips. And she she gave me the best advice I had when I was first breastfeeding. And I tell this to everybody that's struggling when they're breastfeeding now is she's like, you always focus on the liquid gold. She's like, it's not gold. Your body's going to keep making it. So what if you spill some because the baby didn't latch? So what if you pumped and you forgot the milk to put it away? Like your body's going to make more. Don't, don't wait. your are you you know, you're not worth it, but how much you pump, how much your baby's feeding, like, it's okay. Like, cause I remember I was telling her, I was, I had an overactive letdown and oversupply. And I felt like I had to catch every drop. So that was causing a lot of issues and stress on my breastfeeding journey with Cassie. And she told me, just get a towel and let it spray. And I was like, oh, but I'm just going to be spilling all the milk. And then she's like, so what? You're going to make more, aren't you? And I was like, well, yeah. So what if you spill some? So why do you let it spray? And then I was like, oh, well, yeah, I guess I am going to make some, right? And it's just little things. And so she was very helpful in the breastfeeding journey on like kind of building the support and giving me that confidence that I lacked. Right. Because I'm like, I I'm like, by buy the textbook person. Like, what can I read? What video can I watch? What podcast can I listen to? Like to show me the stuff. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know it. Right. Like I didn't know what breastfeeding was like. Um, my mom didn't breastfeed. None of my cousins or family, Drake family that I had, nobody breastfed in my immediate circle. Great. Um, And I was often being pushed by those external factors to just feed formula. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with formula, but to me, it was such an important part of my motherhood journey to breastfeed. And it's something that 22 months later, I was like, I'm over it. But those first 20 months, I'm like, I really enjoy this experience. Like this is, you know, like you have a bucket list in life. I'm going to, I don't know skinny dip i'm gonna freaking make out with a stranger (laughs) whatever it is right like mine was like i'm gonna breastfeed my babies i want it to work i will give it my all to make it work and Mm -hmm. i'm not saying women don't give it their all like they do right but you give it your all whether it works great if it doesn't work great like you're still a fantastic mom but i didn't want to let external factors Push me into a way I didn't want to. Right. So like, um, yeah, like the breastfeeding part with with that group, that was the breastfeeding garden. I started connecting with more moms that were like, yeah, we betcher. Yeah. We feed to sleep. Yeah. I rock my baby to sleep. Yeah. We contact nap. Yeah. We do all these things that a lot of people are always telling me, oh, you shouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of like started finding my little community of people that align with my values, the way I wanted to parent and the way that not that it's wrong how other people parent, but that could really give me the advice and support I needed because it kind of helped calm down my anxiety. I kind of started where I felt chaotic and out of Mm -hmm. control because I didn't know what to do. I started feeling these women that would come and give me the advice that align with the things I was trying to do, right? Like you're not going to tell a fish how to climb a tree just because you're a really good tree climber. Like it's impossible. Mm. They're not going to be able to do it. Right. So why was I going to put myself in a situation with women that weren't doing what I was doing? Like why was I going to go with women that were going to tell me your baby needs to sleep in a crib eight hours a night at three months? When I knew my baby wasn't gonna do that, what was it? What was it gonna do to my mental health, other than destroy it more than it was? Like it was already like shattering on the floor. It was just gonna do what grinding down. So finding that community of women that aligned with the things that I wanted to do made it easier. It didn't fix my anxiety. It didn't fix my anger, but it made it so much easier for me to be like, okay, I can do this. There's other people doing it like I am. And so kind of like those little things kind of helped me not have to be with a therapist. But a hundred percent now I'm um, I I needed therapy. I needed whether that was meds, whether that was just speaking to someone, mm-hmm. whether that was someone reliable every week to speak with, I needed that help. And I didn't stick for it because I was like, I can't do this, like I can't um you know, like do all those things, like find somebody. And I was just like, I found other ways, right? So even if you, let's say, don't have the resources to pay for everything, like let's say you don't have insurance or you can't help, there, there are other free resources you can go out there and seek um, and kind of get some of that help. So going back to that, like I was talking to these strangers, people that I have never met, I was telling them everything I was doing. I was telling them like, oh, um, this is how I'm feeling. And they were being so supportive. And it kind of like started making me realize like I could speak to someone like Cindy. I can speak to my friends that are pregnant, that are going through this and talk to them about what it's like, what I'm feeling. Because... Another thing that I've talked to a friend of mine that just recently had a baby is that I don't know if it is like this for everybody, or it was just for me because of the way that what happened after after Cassie was born, the shooting happened. I felt very overprotective of my daughter. I would have laid my life, and I still will, for her in a heartbeat, no second thoughts. If someone, you know, that's just the way I feel about my daughter, and I remember thinking, but I don't love her. I don't feel this magical, immersed, beautiful love for her that everybody mm-hmm. else described. I was like, oh, my God, the moment they put the baby on your chest. Yes, it felt amazing. It felt magical. And I'm like, oh, my God, she's here. Like, I made this. I was like, look at her. She's gorgeous. And now I look back and I'm like, hey, baby, that was Fajita. But <laughs> <laughs> at that point, she was the most beautiful, magical baby. But this immense, silly, stupid, head over heels love feeling that I have for her now, no, I didn't have it at the beginning. And people talk about it, and maybe a lot of women do. I didn't. And I felt Mm -hmm. like such a shitty person. I felt like, oh, my God, I'm going to be such a bad mom because I don't feel this immense love for my daughter. And I felt like that for a while, and I would look at her, and I'm like, I will lay my die for you. I will do everything to protect you, but I will remember thinking, like, I am not madly in love with you. Like, I remember thinking, I'm. Like, I i do not feel like what I feel for her. Like, the love that I have for my brother. Like, um, you know, he'll mm-hmm. he'll make comebacks in this episodes from time to time because um, for people that don't know, um, my brother and I lost my mom ten years ago, and I we're eight years apart. So I was twenty; he was eleven. And even before then, I was practically raising my brother just because my parents, we were in a situation where I needed to be very involved with my brother. So we have this very motherly love bond with each other because, you know, I'm his older sister. I've raised them. But we also have a very funny relationship where we're genuinely friends. So it's just, it's a really funny balance. But my brother before my husband, before my Cassie, like my brother was my entire world. He was the person I would have laid my life for before, right? I knew what it was like to love someone so intensely, like family, right? Like not romantic love, but like that bond you have with your family. I knew what that feeling. And I was like, why don't I feel it with my baby instantly? But then keep in mind, you're meeting this person for the first time when they come out of your tummy. Like there are, they're gonna be their own individual. They're gonna have their own personalities. They're gonna have things that drive you up the wall. They're going to do things that are adorable and just melt your heart, but you're still getting to know them. And Mm. I just expected that immense immediate love right off the bat. And I think some people do, but I didn't. And I felt so shitty and it added so much to like my anxiety and my, my doubts of being a good mom because of that, because I'm like, shit, I don't love her the way that I should love her. I care for her Mm. and I'm going to take care of her. And, you know, I would never have thoughts of harming herself. I mean, harming her or myself. But I didn't have that immense love. And so I would say, like, well, I'm going to be a shitty mom. I'm going to be a detached mom. Like, oh, my God. Like, what if I'm a horrible mom? And I had, like, all these, like, stupid, intrusive thoughts that had I sought sick therapy, I probably would have, like, stopped them or helped me cope with them. But at that point, I was just like, shit, like I'm not, I'm not okay. Now I can hundred percent say I love the little shithead so much. Like she lights up my day, but it's because I got into know her, right? I've gotten through the process of getting to know her, falling in love with her, with her quirkiness, with her, just how adorable she is. And I had a friend reach out to me recently and she was telling me like, can I tell you something? And I'm like, girl, you can tell me anything and I won't judge you. Except, like, if you, like, don't drink coffee, then I'm like, ooh, weirdo. But, you know, like, I'm not going (laughs) to judge you anything related to motherhood. I was like, what's up? And she was telling me how she's struggling through some of the postpartum. And she's like, how did you feel about Cassie? And I told her this. I told her I would have done anything for that baby. But I can honestly tell you I didn't love her the way that I do now. And I'm sure I'm going to love her more in 10 years and I'm going to love her more in 20 But I didn't feel like that day one, day two. And for sure, I didn't feel like that on fucking the 12th week when I went back to work. I I think at that point is kind of where I was like, I miss my baby a lot. And I started feeling like that stupid love for her. Because it is stupid. It is insane. It's not logical the way that you love your children. But it, it took me a while to get there. And I was telling my friend, it took me a second. It wasn't immediate. And she's like, yes, that is exactly how I feel. She's like, I'll do anything for my, she had a baby girl as well. I like, I'll do anything for her, but I don't feel what a lot of other moms I talk to feel for their kids. And I'm like, I don't know if that's normal. I'll do a poll about it, but I don't know. Maybe it's 50-50, maybe it's 60-40, but Mm. it was such like a shameful, like a, like a shitty feeling to feel like that. And I remember Mm. like, I didn't feel like that. And therefore I'm a bad person. And I'm going to be a bad mom. And, you know, like it just made the anxiety so much worse. And then in turn, I was just angry because why couldn't I get my shit together? Why couldn't the rest of the world get their shit together to make my life easier? So then I was constantly angry. Like I would no. go from zero to a hundred miles on like silly things where I would just get so angry. And the thing is, I was never angry at my daughter. It was my poor husband bearing the brunt of it, of just me. We've never been the people to yell at each other. We've never been the people to cuss at each other when we're mad. Um, If anything, we're the kind of people that just kind of walk away and try to cool off. So we Mm -hmm. would do a lot of that, like where I was just so mad at him or just mad at things. And he would say like, today I don't want pickles. What? The heck! Why don't you want pickles? Like the most irrational thing, right? <laughs> like I would just be mad. I don't even like pickles, so you know I would be mad. <laughs> and I wouldn't yell at him. I wouldn't like blow up on him. But internally, trying to keep like the mm-hmm. lid, like you know when you're boiling something and it's just boiling over, and you're just trying to keep that lid shut. That's literally what my emotions were. It's like I was just, just from inside, mm-hmm. and I was just trying to keep it together and trying to keep it quiet. And it was just kind of like fuming here and there which wasn't healthy. Like it should never be like that. Like that's not healthy. And I'm, I'm just going to say it's not healthy. Like you can't think that's okay. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm like, I really need like therapy before and after postpartum. Cause maybe I'll be fine the next baby, but mm-hmm. you never know. Right. And so if you have the resources, if you have the support, if you're listening to this and you're still pregnant, it doesn't hurt to call to seek the help because at least you know somebody that knows your baseline on what you should act like, what is your normal? Like maybe you're maybe you're a very angry person all the time, right? <laughs> and <laughs> and your doctor knows that your therapist knows that, and then you know, they see you get worse or they see you tone it down postpartum, they at least know that's normal. But if you're like a super sweet mellow person and then one day you're just like, super angry and super or super or you're a very happy person and one day you're really really sad or really quiet someone knows your baseline knows what you were pre so they know what to look post and so Mm -hmm. that's kind of what like I say now is like try to get that help or talk to someone and like and like I said like I was so easy to open up to strangers that I have never met and felt this immense love and support from them When I, now I know my shit, I could have received that from my family, from my friends, from people that care about me, that knew me. Instead, I went to seek it out elsewhere. And maybe sometimes that works because you were like, shit, if I'm so vulnerable, but it's okay, I never have to see them again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you know, you go on your merry life, then, you know, maybe that works. But keeping all that quiet And not talking to someone and making people think that you have it all together when you really need help, like I'm sorry, but nobody gets a medal for that. Like, there's you can look at my wall. There's no freaking medal for me keeping it quiet. Like, what did I get? What is that TikTok emotional damage? Like, that's what we got, right? Like, nobody got any medals. Like, you're not gonna be a better, worse person. And if people, if your friends are gonna judge you for it, good. You don't need them in your life if they're going to be judging you for what is the true trials of life. You don't need those people, period. Right? Like, I'm mm-hmm. I'm always telling Cindy, like, I don't need that negativity from people. So they don't need to be in my life. I need to be in this bubble of people that connect with me, that understand me. I'm not going to purposely go look for people that are going to put me down. So that's right. kind of like what I feel a lot of, like, now my daughter's two and a half years old. Now, I think in the last 6 months, I have grown so much as a person as a woman outside of motherhood, as kind of getting myself back into who I was pre-baby. Mm-hmm. And understanding that I am never going to be that 20-something year old, carefree. I'm never going to be that person, and I'm okay with that. But there are parts of that life that I want to carry post-children, you know, as I go through toddlerhood, as I go through maybe hopefully another newborn stage, as my kids are teenagers and then eventually me and my husband are going to be empty nesters, right? There's parts of Carla that was back then that I want Carla to be when I'm 50. There's parts I'm not willing to give up. Mm -hmm. And in those last six months, I've have gotten some of that, which whatever it is to you find that and embrace it and if you want to keep it I mean there's some toxic traits I had that you know maybe should be left in the past that I don't need to bring with me but there's other parts that I really admire about myself that I want to kind of remember what I am to make sure that I don't get lost and I don't get railed in and this like spiral You know, and I Mm -hmm. talked to another friend that kind of struggled a lot with postpartum. And, you know, we meet every once in a while for coffee, for lunch, for breakfast. And she was very honest sharing her story with me about she was on medication soon after her first baby. No, not soon after her first. She took a while for her first. But on her second baby, she was on medication almost right away because she saw herself going through that again. And she was like, I don't need to do that. Right. Like you come with this place of wisdom now where you're like, I see myself slipping. I'm not going to wait till I'm at the bottom of the hill. I'm going to do something in the middle, at the top to help myself, to have the freaking tools to make it out of that hill. And so now I like kind of why we do this podcast, kind of why I talk to you, why I'm really honest with you and the women that talk to me is that This was my experience. Doesn't mean it's going to be your experience. I hope yours is a hundred times better and that everything's magical. Mm. But if it's not, this is what I went through. If you learn anything, if you feel empowered by one stupid thing I said, but one thing of my misery, it was worth it. It was worth to help someone else because I never... You're always going to battle with something. But at least if my story being out there helps one person not go through the 20 stops they're going to go through, like it cuts them down to 18, then you know what? I'm okay. And, you know, and so that's why I'm very open about how I felt and what I feel like. And some women may say, I didn't have anything. My everything was magical and I'm so happy for them and I'm glad. And I hope it stays that way forever. But for the rest of us that are in the trenches, not okay. Like, like I said, like people think postpartum depression, which is a postpartum period, they automatically go to the baby blues. Well, if she's not crying, she's okay. If she's not depressed in a dark room, she's okay. If she's not sleeping, well, I don't think you sleep much, but if she's not like trying to knock out like this typical stereotypical ideas of what depression is, if she doesn't have that, then she's okay. And that's not the reality of it, right? Like, we go through so many other spectrums of anxiety, anger that people may not identify as postpartum and not may ent- understand that we may need help. Maybe we don't realize it, but maybe your mm-hmm. sisters do, maybe your friends do, maybe your friends can give us a gentle, like, hey, this is who I talked to. This was my experience. It may help you. And, you know, like, seek those other alternate methods or those alternate signs of like what's happening to people. Cause yeah, motherhood can be, it can be a very beautiful thing, but it can be a very lonesome thing, especially for me. Cause I I didn't prepare. I, I prepare so much for birth and then like, I don't know, I thought magically everything was going to be perfect after that. (laughs) And so I was zero preparation afterwards, zero everything. And you know, that's not the way to go through life sometimes. I mean, sometimes you can wing things, but
0: why that make it difficult? That might not be one thing to wing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, man, you know, now I'm like, yeah, maybe you need more help. But yeah, that was my story on what I went through and what I'm going through, right? Because, I mean, it's not like I'm never anxious and it's not like I'm ever going to stop being who I am because like anxious is one of the things I am. Right. I'm mm. just worried and I plan, but now I have a more grasp on it. And another spoiler no, I still haven't gone to therapy, but I am seeking some help to kind of help with other issues. Right. Like I think we all could benefit from therapy, regardless of what we've gone through. But mm. I think kind of like helping me with that who kind of give me some coping mechanisms. And I don't know, maybe I'll learn something and I'll share it with you and it'll benefit someone. So, right. That's that's my story guys um that's the Not real yet. truth of what happened
0: <laughs> Yeah and I think I, your honesty is going to help so many people I know that it's helped me like you know I learned a lot from watching you I mean our, I mean you're talking right now I'm like our kids are very close in age but for whatever reason I always think Yandel is like a baby compared to to Cassie <laughs> I think cuz Cassie's like so mature and she's like so like and I just see And like, he's just a little baby, but I know he's not. But they're so close <laughs> in age. And I learned a lot. They're like, what, six months apart? I learned a Can lot you- from watching you. And like, I remember when I went to go visit you when Cassie was very little. I'm like, Carla doesn't look like herself. Like I could tell, like you were not adjusting. It was not easy. Yeah. And it was kind of like scary to see you that way but at the same time it was like I'm not sure what I can do like how do you help because I'm not a professional you know I, I could tell you a bunch mm-hmm. of stupid jokes and hope that that makes you laugh in that <laughs> moment but I you know like I can't so and I learned like to kind of from you to let go of like certain expectations like nothing is so solidly like yeah there's going to be a few things like we talked about last time like the glass balls that for us, for everyone's different, but there's going to be a lot of plastic balls that you just have to be like, I mean, it didn't turn out that way. And that's okay. Like you just adjust, you know, like the, like we had talked about like the bed sharing and the co-sleeping, like that was in our plan, but it just, it's something that we did and it made our lives easier and everybody was okay. and We did it in a safe way. But I think that that's, I don't know if it's like pressure from moms that we feel like we have to do things a certain way. And so we're so like aggressive about like, no, you need to do this. Like, you know how you said people were telling you like, no, you need to bottle feed formula feed. And you were just like, that's, I'm not against it, but it's not the path that I want. And you know, like if I had, you know, it's different from someone like seeing you struggle and like kind of being understanding of like, you know what, I've never done this before. I didn't breastfeed what support can I give you to help you be successful? And, or if they saw you like super struggling where it was making you depressed and it was like really affecting you, then maybe at that point being like, Hey Carla, I think you need to really assess. Like, I feel like your mental health is deteriorating because of breastfeeding. Like, is that something you're willing to like, like, that's a different way to address that instead of just being like, Carla, you need to give formula, you know? Exactly. And I think, We have to be open to how everyone does things. As long as they're not harming their children, like things can be done in so many ways. And it's better to just be like, Hey, you know what? Like I did this, but if it doesn't work for you, like try something else. Like there's so many other things you can do to make it work. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: exactly. And I think it's just the way that you tell people things and the way you talk, and just being open that things people are always going to do things differently than you, whether you're the one receiving the advice or giving the advice, right? People are always going to do different things. And you don't have to do everything, but be open to it. You may learn something, you may tweak it to fit you. And it mm-hmm. doesn't, whatever it can help you, right? Because, like I said, it's, it's this anxiety, especially if you're someone like me that's very anxious or a planner and like, and I think that's so funny, right? Because some moms thrive so much on planning and they have this elaborate plans and they thrive in it. And some other people just run with the chaos and they make something beautiful out of it. And it's like, know yourself more than anything. Know yourself on who you are and how you're going to thrive and then run with a plan that works for you. But mm-hmm. I think it comes with a lot of self-awareness of like, understanding what you need instead of trying to emulate someone else that is not going to align with how you're like, you know, like for me, I'm not going to freaking, we're big, like meat eaters at home. Like me and my husband love meat. I'm not going to go and try to be fully vegetarian because I have Pinterest mom say that that that's the healthiest way. Like I'm going to try to shove, what is it? Like a square peg into a circle. Like it's just not going to (laughs) work. So. I kind of like understanding myself, who I am, kind of like keep trying to keep that in the forefront of my mind a lot so that I'm like, okay, well, what is going to work with me? What advice can I get or what tools and pieces of advice from everybody else I can use, you know, and then make my own thing out of it, make my Mm -hmm. own chicken enchilada out of it and then, you know, move on because we're going to learn.
0: Like, me and you are so different. I feel like if we saw each other's lives, like, play back, I'd be, like, you know, there'd be things that I do that you'd be, like, oh, my gosh, I could never like that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I could never. I can't believe she's doing that. Like, how is she surviving? But, like, that's just it. Like you said, like, you have to honor who you are. And, like, we, like, me and you are not each other. And that's okay. Like, that's beautiful. Like, we do things differently, and that's fine. You know, like, like Yandela is a big contact napper. Would I go and scream that off the rooftops that everybody <laughs> needs to contact nap? No, because to be honest, it's a little bit miserable for me. <laughs> I do it because my son, that's how he naps. And I know that he needs to sleep and he won't sleep any other way with me. Now, with my mom, he'll sleep by himself, which I'm like, really, dude? But with me, it's like <laughs> with me. So that's not something I would recommend, but. I'm that person that if you know a contact napper, you could be like, Hey, go talk to Cindy because she go she she knows exactly what that's like and she could tell you like, yeah, dude, it sucks. Like it sucks. Like I do it because I know my son that's how he's gonna sleep. But if you ask my grandma, she'd probably tell you, ah, no, lo vas a tener bien chiple, bien mal acostumbrado, que se duerme así, nunca va a querer dormir. Like, you know, she'll just, she's just gonna tell you all like the old school thinking. And I'm just <laughs> gonna be like, I could either let it make me feel bad or just be like, you know what, grandma, we're two different people, man. <laughs> I'm like, this is just <laughs> not the way. You yeah. know, so appreciating what everyone does. And like you said, taking little, little nuggets from everyone and like, realizing that everything like you know the square what did you say the square peg into a round hole hey sometimes those things are made of play-doh so we could just like (laughs) take something from everyone and make our own little like shape and fit it in it's still gonna work we just used a different method you know yes (laughs) like taking little things from everyone's experiences and just tucking it away like even moms right now that maybe are not Or people that are not pregnant or anything but are thinking about it. All the things that they hear, like, tuck it away. Like, you know, one day you might be like, huh, I heard Carla say that this is how she felt. And then, you know, I'm feeling that way. Because I think like what you said about um, not feeling that love for your kid, I honestly think the more women feel that way, but they don't want to say it out loud. Right? the, The society, the acceptable thing would be like, oh yeah, like I automatically fell in love because that's what everyone says. So you're like, I, I can't be the different one that says like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, like I know it was my kid and like, yes, like I love them a lot now, but initially like, because I would say I would feel the same way. Like it's, I think even now, sometimes I'm like, yeah, I feel that like I would do anything for him. But like you said, it's a relationship, you know, like we don't know each other that way. Like how I've known my parents or my brothers, like that's been years of knowing each other. You Mm -hmm. know, these babies are so new that it's going to take time to like really be like, Oh man, like it might take time. Like you said, some people do feel it instantly and like it never goes away or whatever, but I do think more women feel that way. I just don't think they say it. So they're the go-to, you know, is like, it's like the, how are you? Everybody says good you know you're not gonna be like how are you and then someone's like oh i'm doing terrible and then you're just like oh shit like i wasn't trying to have this conversation right now
1: maybe later (laughs) schedule an appointment but not right now yes that's like (laughs) Like, good man catch it next time
0: (laughs) i'm so happy that you spoke about it because now women that do feel that way instead of feeling all shamed about it they could be like no you know what like other people feel that way and it's It's fine. It doesn't make us bad, you know? Yeah,
1: exactly. And, you know, it's like you you open up and then it's like, then you start hearing all these other people like, oh, yeah, me too. Oh, yeah, me too. Or it's like when you were in class, right? Like you were in a classroom setting and like the professor or the teacher would ask something and nobody would raise their hands. And then, you know, like everybody close your eyes and then people were really being honest, right? Because they didn't want to be judged. Mm. And it's like all these people have this in common. And then like the more you talk about it, the more you like start realizing. I mean, there's still parts of my life that I'm like, oh my God, I'm not going to tell people or whatever. But, you know, there's so much that I like want to feel that whatever my story has done, whether it tells people like, hell no, I'm not having children or hell yeah, I'm having children. Like whatever it is, like whatever it does to you, like I'm just glad. I'm just going to be honest about what I'm sharing because I feel like I didn't, get to ask. I mean, it was a lot of my fault. I didn't get to ask a lot of my friends how they felt when they were pregnant. And that was on me. That wasn't Mm -hmm. on them. That was on me, not checking on them, not seeing them. But had I done that, had I opened up the line of communication, maybe I would have been better prepared as far as like not Mm -hmm. making it perfect, but I would have understood those feelings were normal. Those feelings were real for other women. Those emotions were going to come and go and i would have not maybe felt so in the moment right because we all have different support levels we all do like Mm. some people have amazing supportive family members friends spouses and then we may have someone that doesn't have all that support so like i was telling you about the two different resources i found is like i'm an extrovert right so for me it's really easy for me to just go and talk to strangers apparently But if you're someone Mm -hmm. like me, or test it out and see if it helps you, because there are so many resources, so much people willing to help, but maybe sometimes we ourselves are not willing to take that first step. And if we did, and we extended the hand seeking for help, we would realize there's so many people that care for us and are willing to help, but we have to give them the chance. And I realized that I didn't give the people that love me the chance to help me. So I was just wallowing in my misery when it should have never been like that. And so that's just another random thought. No, and, then and then you come up,
0: you, you hear all those stories of like people that commit suicide. You know, and and it's a lot of times it's people that just kept it quiet, right? And mm-hmm. then they killed themselves, and then they leave their family and friends being like, "Why did they never say anything?" Mm-hmm. Like, thanks. You know, like I never knew. Had I known, had I been given the opportunity to help, like maybe I could have made a difference. You know, it's always those people that just keep it so that could be the scarier ones because they could just see the signs. Yeah, yeah, no, but and everybody would have been like, I never, you know, thought that that would have happened, and it's it's scary. Like if if you're in that position and you're just keeping things quiet, like. Like Carla said, you know, like she was in that position and she decided to do, you know, go to that church group. And that was kind of like the epiphany that like, hey, I could talk to people and like just do something because like you said, there's help and people are going to surprise you. Like it might not be exactly where you think the help is, but you also have to trust the people that love you that and give them that opportunity of like, hey, you know what? I'm not, I'm not doing okay. Okay. You know, and having those deep conversations with someone that you trust and and finding help, because if you never ask for help, it's going to be hard for someone to realize that that's especially if they're not with you every day to see, you know, like, hey, they're not doing well. So, yeah, I think that's super important.
1: Well, thank you for listening to my story, guys. Thank you, Cindy, for letting me share my thoughts my inner thoughts of how literally this is how my brain works i'm like really serious and then i say something really stupid ongoing (laughs) this is this is my (laughs) life ongoing this is my brain every day (laughs) so
0: no thank you it was beautiful and it was very powerful